Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift for the Queen stage of the Vuelta 2022. Finishing on Sierra Nevada much uh, sort of disagreement or confusion about this finish. It is the 23-kilometre-long version, closer to 7%. It's not 8% average. The start is hard, 4.6K is 11%. And Alto del Perch uh, beforehand, 9K, 7.5% as a warm-up from Granada, is uh, pretty difficult too. It goes to 2,500 metres, but it's so shallow. Like when you look at this, this climb with sections of – I think six kilometers after the steep section, averaging 5%. That's the draft is so, so important. And that's also below 2000 meters. That's from about 1600 to 2000. So not high altitude yet. And so the question was, would Remco Avenhall be able to hang on after losing 48 seconds to Roglic on Sierra de la Pandera yesterday um, on what is probably the hardest mountain stage left of this welter, and he's got a 150 lead in the red jersey. So other questions, Mas, uh, Lopez, Astana, Movistar, how would they play the stage? And a huge break once again, uh, Benji, with almost all the GC teams represented. Yes, certainly. And the teams that we expect to see some riders go up the front as well, I think, the only team that I didn't expect to see in the breakaway necessarily was Astana, who had Nibli and De La Cruz go in the breakaway. When I saw that, I was like, oh, what is their plan here? Because I expected Astana to be the team to see the finish and say, Sierra Nevada, very high. We like that. Lopez likes that. So let's try and control this stage, control a breakaway, and make sure that we see something happening in regards to Lopez winning the stage. I think that's what Astana's plan should have been at the start. Now, they had attacks, including Vincenzo Nibali being up there. The Shark of Messina, second time he attacks in this Vuelta and the uh, first time that we see him on TV. So that was a, a wonderful experience as a Shark fan. And Jay Vine was in that group as well. I think we had multiple people trying to be up the road. But it really came down to a really large group after quite a bit of fighting in the breakaway. And... We also saw another Astana rider eventually in a group that bridged to the front riders that were already up the road, De La Cruz. So two riders from Astana in that group. We saw the likes of Dennis from Yambo, who was initially in the break, and we had Allman bridge up a bit later. When it comes to quick step, two riders in the breakaway as well. And once you see two riders being in the breakaway from quick step, then I'm thinking, okay, Yumbo has two riders in the breakaway. Quickstep has two riders in the breakaway with Fervaca and Masnada. What is their plan here? We've got that Alto del Purque. I, I will keep on mispronouncing it, most likely, the second last climb. Can they already use satellite riders on that climb? I didn't think so. We were, I think, thinking about potentially somewhere else Sierra Nevada because, like, when you see Sierra Nevada, where on that climb, this first part being the steepest, second part being the more shallow section, where is the best part to have satellite riders? So what you'd want is Hairsink to pace uh, the 7.5% climb very hard in the heat, 
to just put some kilojoules in beforehand and then he or Omen preferably to pace the 5% climb and then you would have Harper smack the Hazelanas and Dennis wait on the shallow section to pull where they're going 35 kilometers an hour in his wheel and he's like 70 kilos plus so he's you know in his wheel you might be doing five watts per kilo um he might be doing 5.5 but a skinny 60 kilo climber not you know like a rodriguez out of the draft they will be doing a lot of watts behind so it's the problem for uh yumbo visma i guess was Quickstep being in that break is tough because Vivica's in good shape. So that's I was yep. surprised Quickstep actually went with that strategy. It's kind of like what Yumbo did in the tour on yep. a lot of stages. And also um Omen being in the break, he can't really help. Like he, the only way he can help is to keep the break ahead and to pull, and he didn't really do that. Yep, I agree with that point. And that's the dynamic you see between those two teams and the breakaway. I think Quickstep's goal is simple. Keep Quickstep riders in the breakaway as long as possible, hoping that they survive longer in the stage and can help them quave in a pull at any point where needed at the far end of this race. And I think that was their plan and the execution. We'll talk about it in a bit. Now, other riders in the breakaway, McNulty, Solaire, that's a duo for UAE. I was never expecting that duo to actually drop back unless they were not in a position to win the stage drop back to help out Almeida and Iuso, for example. Again, unless they are in a position where they can't win anymore. Arden's mom for DSM, some random riders like a Goldstein, like uh, Oliveira as well. I wasn't sure if he was going to make it until Sierra Nevada in this breakaway, to be honest. Well, well he's Vine, another Marisa. one. Sorry? Movistar, keep getting Oliveira in breaks where he can't help. It's completely pointless. Yeah. You have Mulberger, Verona, Valverde, and you're putting your... He's a strong roulette. Why, why the fuck is Oliveira in the break? Like... Yeah. It's so, it's the wrong, uh, maybe, like, uh, Verona can make a break. I'm pretty sure Carlos Verona can make a break. Now, maybe he didn't. Yeah. I don't know if he was trying. I didn't see it. But they keep getting the wrong guys in the breaks. And it's because they're too scared not to have Carlos and, and Mulberger around Mars. But, like, you got to risk it for the biscuit. And it's not even a big risk either. So, again, they did the same thing on the other day. And, yeah, it's just, it doesn't help at all. Is there an aspect to it where they don't expect Quickstep to keep the break as close as Quickstep is doing on stage? Because Quickstep is getting, well, the break pretty close on each stage. Four or five minutes, never really much more. Today they actually had help because in the breakaway, Adensman, Hindley and so forth, these riders are relatively close in GC towards Damon, uh, no, not towards Damon Adensman, that's the guy that's close to GC, towards Ben O'Connor, the leader of Aj Desert in, uh, in GC. So they were getting scared. And they were starting to defend their 10th position. And Ajdazer started pacing and helped Quickstep on the stage, basically. On the first parts of the stage, I think before Purke already, that Ajdazer was pacing. And that changed the dynamic even more where the tempo in the peloton was higher. And did that also make a difference when it comes to the dynamic in the breakaway, you think? The fact that Ajdazer was pacing or... I think so. I think this completely ages to uh, stuffed Jumbo business plan today because Dennis is no, not good on like 4Ks, 11%. And so even if Dennis stays ahead on Hazalanas, if he's only getting 30 seconds rest and he has to do that climb full gas to start ahead of the GC group, 
he's not going to be as useful on the shallow gradient. Um, so AG2R, and AG2R pays too hard. It was almost a little bit panicky, actually. And maybe they had to because they, I mean, Aronson was super strong in the end, but they were pacing so hard that they blew up their whole team. They then ripped the base of Perke in the first 500 meters and Yumbo were like, what are you doing? Because <laughs> um, we need to steadily bring this back. Jungles and Van Vilde got, gets dropped. And he comes back when Jungle starts pacing at a much slower pace. That gives 30 seconds back to the break. Vine is pushing, trying to drop Aronsman and get KOM points because Aronsman's the reason he's getting chased. And then in the valley afterwards in descent, Yumbo Visma are like, we need to give some time back to Dennis so he can get over Hazelanus. And then the gap goes to four and a half, five minutes again. Yeah, and the interesting part about it is that there was this moment in the descent before Sierra Nevada where Roglic was actually behind the GC group for a bit. And I didn't exactly know what was happening. Some people were saying he took a piss by the side of the road and so forth. Bit of an odd time to take a piss. Perhaps it was really necessary at that point. Perhaps a mechanical that we don't know about. Who knows? He was behind a bit. Yumbo kept pacing a slow tempo at the front to make sure he could come back. And that was settled before we started Sierra Nevada. In the breakaway, I think Craddock went on a bit of an adventure, or that was a bit earlier in the stage, I don't know. But basically, I think Craddock had the lead at the foot of Sierra Nevada, right? With like 45 uh, seconds Vine. on a bigger group, or was it Vine? Vine had bridged across to Craddock yeah. on the Sierra Nevada, on Perke to take KOM yeah. points. They did the descent together, and then Vine, I think, sort of semi-paced a reasonable pace. But before we get into the main GC action, it's September Autumn's here in the Northern Hemisphere. Indoor season is here, which means it's time to fire up the Zwift subscription if you paused it over summer. A whole raft of updates landing soon, including the ability to chase your PB ghost across segments, a new race series, and even new roads. Plus, with training series like Zwift Academy starting, there's never been a better time to give indoor training a shot. For more information or to start your free seven-day trial, head to Zwift.com using the link down below but yeah we basically get to there's like a 6k 5% climb before Sierra Nevada uh Yumbo Visma give back time to the breakaway but Dennis has been dropped on Perch as well as Omen and so with AG2R pacing and those two being dropped for Viker hasn't been dropped so he's in a group now Vine's waited and there's a group of the best climbers in the breakaway ahead that are going to start Sierra Nevada first. Gino Maida, who kept waving mo- the motorbikes away from in front of his breakaway group, which makes no sense. Um, <laughs> Davidella Cruz, who stopped pulling and we thought was a satellite rider for Lopez, but I think was secretly hoping he could move up on GC. Uh, Uran, Hindley, Vine, Aronsman uh, were the best climbers in there. Carapaz as well. So a lot of riders who could potentially be satellite riders, Vivica too, a lot of riders, and some riders going for KOM like Vine, others just going for the stage, and GC like Aronsman and Hindley. And so Yumbo Visma gives, give time back, and then they start smashing it again because Omen and Dennis have dropped back, and I guess they, I think they were like two minutes ahead in no man's land. They figured they weren't going to make it over Hazelanas. Their plan's kind of kind of done before the Sierra Nevada had even started. And particularly with the Viker ahead, that makes it really, really hard. It's like a Wout Van Aert, Pagacha, Murder situation um, with a satellite rider. And yeah, Hazelana starts and Omen does the same thing the AG2R rider Benji did at the base, just rips it. 
yeah, super odd to see because let's be honest about it. Svelte has not had the best TV direction of a Grand Tour. And because of that, we don't exactly see what every group is doing. And we see snippets of what Jumbo is doing in the peloton. Towards the bottom of Sierra Nevada, they are smashing it in descent for a tiny bit. And they go through some, some houses and straight up start smashing it at the bottom of Sierra Nevada in the earlier steep section, so the Hazayana section, the early parts of it. And it's kind of like a team time trial that's falling apart when you see the front on shot because some almonds kick was so hard just like as you said the rider at the foot of the previous climb that the rest of the team kind of can't follow because dennis cannot follow that on a steep section there were gaps from dennis towards almond so if that is happening you're not benefiting of being in the wheel of that person anymore and your train kind of looks like one rider 10 meters further the other rider two meters further the other rider but despite that Whatever they were doing still damaged the group significantly because Omen kept on riding 10 meters ahead of everybody for a bit because that was happening. And behind every single Yumbo rider uh, just kept on doing what they were doing until they were done for and then went to the side. And it came down to Roglic and multiple GC riders with Harper being the one Yumbo rider still inside in the back of a group. And we had a situation with 20 kilometers left in this stage, one kilometer into Sierra Nevada, where we had like five riders at the foot of Sierra Nevada. And that is actually insane. Like, it is mad how this how this climb opened up in like the span of a kilometer, right? With a single move by Sam Allman, a guy that I haven't seen do anything for Yambo in the last two years. Yeah, and it's funny that like Ineos have uh, drilled it into the base of Sierra de la Pandera, and then when it really mattered yesterday, Rodriguez was out of bad. It was in bad position. When it really mattered today, he entered uh, Hazalanas in bad position. I don't know where UAE were; they couldn't even see them. And so, it didn't hurt Remco. O'Connor was in good position. Lopez Massa there. Ro- uh, Roglic is there on Harper's wheel, but. The UAE and Ineos guys started this climb on the back foot and were literally fighting to get back from that position for the next hour. And like that's how much it cost them. And the draft is so important on this climb. And so Harper paces. And then Roglic, I don't know, he sort of surged Benji, but it wasn't the same snap as yesterday on Pandera. He starts pacing with Remco in the wheel on Hazelanas. We're thinking Remco's looking a lot better than yesterday. He doesn't get separation, Roglic. And eventually, Roglic moves to the side, and Avenapol starts pacing this group about two and a half, three minutes behind the breakaway, which is still... Uh, Vine Aronsman, David La Cruz, Carapaz, Soler, and Co. I think at this point, Soler had taken a bit of an advantage on the rest of the breakaway riders, was riding roughly 20, 25 seconds ahead of the group with Aronsman and so forth, Vine and so forth. So an early move by Soler on the Sierra Nevada climb as well. So that's the front of the race, basically. Soler, the group of Aronsman, Vine, and so forth behind that. I don't think the gap was too significant, 20, 25 seconds max on this climb. And as you said, two minutes 30 towards the the group that includes the GC riders that were left in that group. And let's talk about the order of GC riders right now, because some of them were not in that group anymore. As you said, Evenepoel was now pacing in this group, while Roglic had moved to the back. I think Mavs was in that group. Lopez came back to that group after not initially making the group. 
And when it comes to Ineos, both Hart and Rodriguez missed the initial attack to that group, missed the Yumbo move and weren't in that group. But Rodriguez was able to crawl back with Hart in the wheel, it seemed like, for some reason, in the back. <laughs> Hart then dropped off Rodriguez's wheel while Rodriguez made it back to the group. And Hart attacked, I remember Hart, we forgot to mention it, Teo Gegenhart did like an Esteban Chavez, Danny Navarro TV yeah. attack. Some, I was like, what is he doing? I swear it was even before the Sierra Nevada climb officially started. It was. He kind of like it was did on it. like the uncategorized 5%. <laughs> but anyway, that aside, Gegenhart aside, because to this stage, he wasn't really overly relevant. We now have a situation where that Evenepoel group is ahead of uh, a user who was behind. I think 20 seconds behind that Evenepoel group with Rodriguez in the group of Evenepoel at this point as well. And then 20 seconds behind the user, we've got Almeida in his usual thing. 45 seconds dropped at the foot of the climb, and then we might see him again towards the end of the climb as usual. That's just how Almeida works at this point, right? Because like on the steep section, this this might help him with his like no, keeping his tempo. Doesn't. But on the it's, draft, it doesn't, right? It's so stupid. to. He must be able to go quicker on Hazelanas. He must. Because even if he's like, all right, if I'm doing a TT, this is how I would pace it and I would go 5% faster than if I would do over my threshold on Hazelanas. But this is why we kept talking about satellite riders. There's a 4% section for like seven kilometers. It might have even had a headwind on it. It's on a wide highway. And draft is so, so important. So you get a massive advantage just by clinging on to the group and then you can recover below your threshold. And instead, he just does the entire climb at max pace, mostly out of the draft. So it, it cannot be the most efficient way to do it when you add in group dynamics and drafting. So uh, Ayuso... There's Soler ahead, and then he eventually gets clawed back by Aronsman um, much later in the stage. But yeah, Rolich can't crack Avenipol, but Avenipol then links up. They get to the end of Hazelanas. Rodriguez dropped with the two other Iberian riders behind him, and the is there, the savior. The defensive satellite rider goes to the front and starts pacing for Remco at a comfortable pace. Rolich at the back, and every kilometer that ticks down, it's good for Remco. He's got a 150 gap. Exactly. And Roglic didn't look comfortable at that point. Like, Lopez still looked like he had something in him. Ma still looked fine. Roglic didn't look good at the back of the group. Rodriguez actually dropped under the tempo of Vervaca, which is mad. Louis Vervaca, genuinely, I think a lot of people would have said at the start of the year that he wasn't a, a godlike transfer towards Quickstep. But I think... I think this Vuelta, he's proven that he's at least a decent domestic in this Vuelta. Because... Uh, the man, like, was literally at a certain... I swear Roglic was dropping for a second. And he, he then crawled back to the wheel. He ha- Roglic had weakness at this point. Regardless of what happens at the end of this stage, I feel like Roglic was having trouble holding on at this point in the race. And he... The, the plan of Yumbo didn't really work out. Let's be honest about it on this climb. They did not get what they wanted. Roglic was at the back of that group. And Evenepoel and Vervaak were in control there. And... Then we're looking at the situation and yeah, it's good for Remco, but we saw a move. Somebody started attacking in the group and that is uh, the man, the favorite for the stage, right? Or was he not batting favorite? He was the favorite, yeah. Miguel Angel Lopez, he 
got kind of stuffed, I think, today. Um, so the the break was just hanging at two minutes. Vivek is not pulling it back at all. It's eight k's, nine k's to go, and Davidula Cruz is just sitting there, and we're still on a flat section. And Aaronsman's attacked. He's gone. He's gone past Soler. Aaronsman's looking good. Big ring on the climb, and Lopez attacks. And I'm thinking, where's Davidella Cruz? Because first I thought Davidella Cruz should have come back to pull harder. Because I swear Roglic was in trouble and not looking great at points straight after Hazelanas, uh, but he didn't. And Lopez attacks. He's attacking on a 40 kilometer an hour section, and I know he's aerodynamic on the climb, but it's costing him a lot. And eventually, after Masters bridged, I think maybe up to him, or I'm not sure. Yeah. De La Cruz comes back on the on a steeper section and starts pulling hard when Miguel Angel Lopez has just built out a 20-second gap on the flat. It's like when Vike has been pacing, who's heavier than him. So the timing of the satellite runners on the particular parkour didn't work for Astana. Lopez had to spend a lot. Mars completely faked me out. I thought he was about to drop, and then he says, call an ambulance, <laughs> but not for me, attacks. And this is the curious part where I think – if Roglic felt really good, he has to go with those two in yeah. that moment. Sec, uh, the guy who's third on GC going ahead, the guy who's the best on this terrain going ahead, draft's important. So they have a satellite rider ahead. Remco's got no one. He's just on his own. If Roglic feels good in that moment, he has to go with him. Yeah, exactly. And he did not. He stayed in the wheel and he wasn't really moving. Mars was moving up towards, well, Mars made that move towards Lopez. Lopez with De La Cruz, who came from the breakaway, like you mentioned. And we've now got that scenario ongoing, where they're picking up riders left and right from the, from the remains of that Vine group. That group was basically out of the question, because Ardensman, who caught up with Soler, had dropped Soler, Thamen Ardensman, and he started keeping the gap towards Lopez's group. And that's something I wasn't expecting. I expected Lopez, Mars De La Cruz, to be able to Maybe not necessarily under the pace of De La Cruz, but I expected at least Lopez to later take back time towards Arensman towards the end of the stage. But there was this moment where Lopez kind of lost the wheel of De La Cruz for a second and then sh- nodded his head. He told him to slow down. Yeah. W- 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 was that on purpose as in he was not being able to follow or he was like, I need to recover a bit so I can go later? He needs to recover. Dilla Cruz has just waited, and so he has just had two minutes, four minutes of rest, and it's the steepest section. Lopez just attacked. Um, and yeah, Aaronsman's gone. They never bring him back. Uh, Vine is working, and then I think eventually drops Hindley at a point, and, but he's sort of going for KOM points. And yeah, Aaronsman's able to win this stage easily, the Dutch rider, and move up on GC despite AG2R's best efforts. O'Connor has a great day. And yeah, it's just situation. De La Cruz pulls off. Lopez and Mars just not working well together. Lopez is doing most of the initial pulling. Yeah. Now, it's hard to know how riders feel in every moment, but the way he finished this climb, I think Mars cost himself today. I think he tried to be too clever with it. And the way he finished so strong, he eventually was cajoled into pulling. And suddenly the gap is extending to Avon Apollo and Roglic again when he's pulling. I'm like, well, you got if you've got good legs, why aren't you pulling with the guy who's second ahead of you behind? Lopez yep. is is sixth on GC. Who, who cares? And like Lopez was pulling and then Mars wouldn't pull and Lopez was like, fuck you. And then he'd attack him. That's how I saw it working. <laughs> behind Ayusa and Almeida, yeah. I think... I, I, I think they were just 
they were trying to work Rodriguez over. They they were doing it just in a really clumsy way. Eventually, they do work him over after Carapaz had been pulling them after he dropped back from the breakaway. Ayuso eventually drops Almeida and goes past him. We don't really see what happens after that. Uh, but yeah, Remco pulling the whole time. Just pull, pull, pull for Roglic, keeping the gap stable. I think it's the only thing he could do. You can say, oh, why is he giving Roglic a fair ride? But like... If he stops, then O'Connor attacks. And then Roglic might attack him. Roglic, you've got a better burst. And then you've got this stop-start. It's better to just get to the finish as quickly as possible. You've got a 150 gap. Okay, he's going to attack you at the end, which is what happens. But yeah, that's the way to play it. But anyway, Mars eventually pulls. Aronson wins the stage. Mars finishes second, gapping Lopez on the line. They'd collected J-Vine in the process. Aronsman. He beat the breakaway by 1.30, Jay Vine. Uh, Lopez third, taking four bonus seconds. Roglic attacks Avonapol at the end and finishes on 1.44, 15 seconds ahead of him. Ayuso comes out of nowhere again. Like, <laughs> it's incredible that Ayuso's finished 11 seconds behind Roglic, given he did the entirety of the climb either out of the draft. Like, positioning at the start just stuffed him. Um, Hindley... Then Menkes, Avonapol on 159. Almeida on 210, only 11 seconds behind Avonapol. Rodriguez loses one minute, like 30 to Ayuso. Um, and to be honest, you'll look at the results and you'll see, oh, Roglic's game time on Avonapol again. But Avonapol did a higher level performance in terms of what's today on Sierra Nevada. He had to pace the entire climb. It's 6%, 5%. Um, so I would say this is much, much more encouraging for Avonapol than the stage yesterday. But yeah, huge win for Aronsman, and he also moves up three spots on GC. Avonapol still leading by 134, Mars on 201, Ayuso moves up to fourth on 449, Rodriguez on 516. If Mars had pulled a little bit more or uh, De La Cruz had pulled earlier on the flat. Lopez would be in fifth, but he's not. He's on. He's in sixth, eight seconds behind Rodriguez. Almeida on seven minutes. Aronsman on in eighth on seven oh five. O'Connor in ninth on eight fifty seven. And Hinley on eleven thirty six. And it's funny the Guillaume Martin strategy. You know, it works most effectively when no one else is doing it. But because yep. everyone from eighth through fourteenth, fifteenth is getting in the break. No one's moving up that much. Yeah. Um, although Aaronsman did today. So yeah, I think um that today went about as well as it could have done for Avonapol, even though he lost fifteen seconds to Roglic in the end. Yeah, I think so as well. Now one of the things I noticed is that Udan also moved up like six spots at exactly what we expected in the Everider to do. But like you mentioned, he did once, and that's why he's not in the top ten. Meanwhile, the other two Everiders are completely gone in GC, Hugh Garfi and Potten, so that's not happening anymore for a potential top 15 in GC for them. But I do want to mention, like, over the last few years in cycling, I think over the last five years, I swear Astana has been one of the teams that has been criticized a lot when it comes to tactics. Like, I think Lutsenko and Westra back in the day on the Brugge de Pano where they got rolled by Kristoff, for example. That was one of the most tactical mistake races in, in years, together with that quick step one, of course, that you know, of course, in Omelope, that standard rolled them. But I feel like they've also had some very strong tactical work when it comes to satellite riders. I 
strongly remember Scarponi, Kungertz, uh, Tarame, all doing satellite rider work for Vincenzo Nibali in his prime, where they went up the road. Eventually, I saw Scarponi waiting by the side of the road for Nibali for that team. Today, we saw it with Lopez having De La Cruz doing it. Ideally, it's on a better place on the climb, like you mentioned, but it's a team that very heavily seems to use this strategy. Also on the Basque Country stage, six last year or 2020, I don't know which one it was, the one where Roglic did his majestic coup and Astana fired up the descent of the um, uh, Gorza climb or whatever it was called. And they also had multiple riders in, in that break where satellite riders. Like, I think it goes under the radar how many times Astana tries using satellite riders in races. Yeah, but they were terrible today. They they completely sold Lopez. They sold him. In, I don't know what this guy's done in a past life. Like, he yeah. just gets sold, man. Like, favorite for the stage. I know Mas eventually beats him. You can't know that or expect that maybe in advance. And they're not helping control the break with Fedorov or Batistella. Lutschenko today finishes on 35 minutes. Just, like, doesn't try at all. Um because, like, you don't think – I don't know where – let me see where Hessink finished um, just to see. Like, there's a big group over Perch. Like, yeah, Lushenko drops before on the base of Perch. He's just not trying for Lopez. And you don't think he could have fooled that – pulled the false flat, let the break get too big, and then De La Cruz. Yeah. It's just – yeah, there's teams within a teams there. Um, Lushenko gets to do what he wants to do, and – Lopez, decent performance, but he really, from the Queen stage with his legs and his shape to still be finishing the stage in the same GC position and not without a, and without a stage win is a disappointment. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think it's curious how Avonapol or Roglic became the favourite yesterday. We've got the rest day podcast tomorrow. We have a rest day on Monday, but this third week, if you don't know the Vuelta, it's not like the Giro 2021. With Sega to Allah, with those sort of climbs, which um, Yates and Caruso could attack uh, Egg and Bernal. This third week of the, G- uh, the Welter is ridiculously soft. Like, just five, it's just ridiculously easy. Uh, so, I think, even a poll, like, how would you rate the team strength, Benji? Quick step against Yumba. I'd say it's fairly. Fairly equal. I would say Harper is a better climber maybe to reduce a group than anybody on Quick Step. But Cavania and I'd say it's pretty equal. Yeah, I think so as well. And especially because well Quick Step has off days with certain riders. Like Von Wilder was nowhere today. He didn't do that much today. I think Maznada crashed out of the breakaway, so let's hope he's fine for Quick Step for the coming days. Like Vervaka was the one that stepped up today from the break and performed as he should. And there's always one on each stage that performs higher than his average performance rate. And that being the case, make sure that they've always got a domestique that is one of the stronger domestiques on the day. Cavagna is always consistent when it comes to his early riding, so he can control in some shape or form on the majority of stages. He can't do that on a mountain stage. That's obvious. It's Remy Cavagna. He's not a yeah, he's a HTGV, a train, so trains don't go uphill. Anyway, when it comes to the rest, like, Yambo is also inconsistent in that sense. Harper is indeed the most consistent one. I think Hasink has been really strong in this Velta, to be honest, but he's also not the rider that is going to do the last pull for the team. That kind of stuff. Dennis has been inconsistent. 
Ullman. It's the first time that I saw him at the front of a race today in a very long time. And that's kind of it when it comes to those two teams, I think, based on what I accept. But there's also like things where you never know what can happen in the last week of a Grand Tour. Like, I swear in 2012 Vuelta, the last week, was a pretty hard last week, like stage 20, Bola del Mundo, big climb at the end. But the majority of action happened on a stage that was not a big stage. I swear there was a random stage where Contador took like a minute 30 on people by going a crazy breakaway, Fuente which was day, not was a mountain it? stage at all. What was it called? Fuente Day? Console? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was that way he met up with Scarponi and Scarponi yeah. was the um, Contador's car was giving food to Scarponi. It was great, great stuff. Just for Tron <laughs> stuff. That was when cycling was glorious before stat nerds like me ruined it uh, when there was honor in the peloton. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Because Remco's the Sheptile Scud, the Aero Bullet. Like these 5% climbs, they suit him and Vivarka and Cavagna and yep. Van Wilder. The team is pretty strong. So I I think it's going to be extremely difficult to beat Abe Nepal. Like extremely yep. difficult. Um, he had a bad day yesterday with the hip. It seemed better today. Couldn't drop him on Hazelanas. I thought that's where he has to be dropped. And I just, I really don't see how anyone beats him um, now. And I think, yeah, I, I don't really believe in, like, it's funny is the narratives, isn't it, Benji? It's like, he spent too much early on Pico Hanno. He spent too much. like, okay, but he, now he has a gap before a soft third week <laughs> where it's much easier to defend, where draft is important. Like, if he doesn't, say, and I'm not saying Roglic could always have done this in his career. Say Remco has the Roglic strategy where you just take 20 seconds and bonus at the end, not the full. You don't go fully in, take the one minute, 130. Well, and then you have a weekday and off day like Roglic has had in yeah. races. Then you don't have the buffer. Same with Bernard. Bernard went full gas, Giro 2021 first week, had the buffer, survived. Yeah. That's why I don't really believe in conservation on suitable early stages i think it depends from rider to rider and the situation in the grand tour itself but it's also obvious that the initial part of this grand tour fit at emco quite a bit and sierra nevada was on paper the one where that was risky for a at emco as we hadn't seen him on altitude for example i'd argue he did pretty well on altitude based on his result and i think it's also the maturity when it comes to emco when it comes to his riding because he didn't have those moments where he completely exploded because he followed a wheel for too long it looks like he drops off the wheel earlier he even said after yesterday's stage in his post-race interview that he regrets following as as long as he did because he felt like he was probably going a a bit more than he should have to be able to sustain a better gap towards the end yesterday perhaps he kept that in mind for today and was like okay, I should not close attacks vividly and I should keep my own tempo and I should make sure that I can keep gaps as much as possible, keep something left when other people attack that I don't get destroyed. And I think that helps him out. I think that's clever with the kind of rider he is. And I think it's going to be tough for Remco not to win this Grand Tour, but I hope there is a spark of something where Remco has another bad day where he loses another 30, 40 seconds that we get some tension towards this Felta because, hey, I'm here for the entertainment as always. Hopefully, it will require. I don't know. I worry there might be some 
everyone will attack each other for positions in the top 10 might happen a little bit more. I also think we already saw today teams willing to help quick step. Uh, in terms of KOM battle, Vine is on 59 points. He extends his lead. Uh, he's on the 29 points ahead of Carapaz. Carapaz, I think, is interested in stages more than the jersey. And points, Pedersen's still very, very comfortable there. Youth, uh, Ayuso actually now truly takes it. He's ahead of Rodriguez and UAE are leading teams classification by 30. So we'll go over uh, the situation tomorrow, third week predictions, as well as a proper stage 16 prediction. Um, but yeah, it's, I think there's no way to make this the, the penultimate climb, isn't, <laughs> isn't it? It finishes at the top. You can't descend Sierra Nevada. I don't know. It's just... <laughs> It could have been chaos if you had something a bit harder than this because there wasn't many climbs before. Yeah, Alto del Perf. But when I reflect on this stage, will I remember it for the rest of my life? No. Um, no. Yeah, more of a stalemate, if anything. But yeah, any last thoughts, Benji, on maybe Aronson? We haven't talked enough about him. It was impressive to win 130 ahead of his breakaway companions. He's mooted to move to Ineos, I think the rumor is, um, over the winter. So, yeah, what do you see for him? Well, the most impressive part about the time gain he had on the second group. Also, we got to keep in mind, he was bridging a gap of, I think, 40 seconds to Soler at that point when he started making the move, and he bridged that. So he did take that time on the group of Vine and Sothov. I think you've got to keep in mind it's all on altitude. So he's doing this on altitude means that he can do this quite well, riding on altitude. This is... One occasion where it happens, he said after the race that he surprised that he was able to ride that well on altitude. That's a very positive thing for a GC rider. And I'm pretty sure Ineos is signing this guy as a GC rider. He hasn't shown the full consistency of that yet. He's currently at the at the way where he's focusing on top 10-ing Grand Tours. But if he can get, what is it like, let's say 2-3% better, is that a, a top 5 contender for a, a Tour de France if he gets 3% better? Well, I mean, Vlasov came fifth, Godou came fourth, Aronson can be better than Godou, so yeah, maybe, you're right. So um, uh, he can be a better GC contender than Godou, he's got a much better time trial. His problem is steep gradients on Hazelanas, he had to go slow, and the Giro, he got dropped on steep stuff. This sort of 6% uh, big ring highway climb, absolutely perfect for Aronson. So it depends on the parkour of the race. Can he win World Tour GC one-week uh, one races? On Ineos, the right ones? Yeah, I think he can. I think so as well. And there's also the aspect where they had their entire process with Gary and Thomas back in the day. I feel like they can do something similar with an Arnsman to improve him even better in his climbing performances. Now, obviously, they're somewhat different riders at the start. I think Thomas was a tiny bit better already when it comes to the steeper sections from his cobble history. But when it comes to Arnsman, I think there's improvement to be made on that terrain as well. And I do expect Ineos to make him better over the over the coming year. But hey, we'll talk about Arnsman more once we uh, get a confirmation on that Ineos transfer and when it comes to other Ineos transfers, perhaps, in a uh, transfer recap. But that's, I'm afraid, all I have to say about this stage. I enjoyed it. Yep, congrats to the still only 22 years old at the end of his Neo Pro deal. Very young time in Aronsman. Congrats to him. And yeah, interested to see where he goes in the future. But that's all from us today. Thanks to Zwift for supporting the pod as always. And we'll see you the rest of a recap tomorrow. Ciao. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 